Hello and welcome to the Musty Creative Podcast. I am your host, Jesus, and I am joined by my friend and yours, Michelle. Awesome. Thank you for joining us today, even though it's musty in here, because we've been working too hard. If this is your first time listening to us, we are the Musty Collective, and we motivate ourselves to become better storytellers. And today, 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 after our month-long Over the Garden Wall series, we're super excited to bring you the the incredibly talented guests uh, from the Blasting Company, the two brothers, the founding brothers, uh, Josh and Justin. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. So we're going to learn more about their uh, their band, The Blasting Company, and their journey. And I'll, obviously, we'll ask a little bit of some questions about Over the Garden Wall. So let's start the show. Sorry, it's a little cheesy. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's cool. I, just, I wasn't sure if we were <laughs> passing it over to us. Like, let's go, guys. Start the show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. Like, oh. Josh and Justin are the founders of the traveling folk band, The Blasting Company, and the music composers of the beloved Cartoon Network show, Over the Garden Wall. Their new single, Candy, is out now and can be streamed on iTunes and Spotify. Josh and Justin, thank you for being on the show. We are very happy to be here. Thank you very much for having us. <laughs> Thanks. We really appreciate you being here. And uh, just want to say, like, it's super cool to have you. Uh, I've been listening to your music um, for for a long time. And, yeah, I'm just super excited. So thank you so much. Cool y'all are having a, a, a month long that you've been doing. Like, a, it's, it's a month long thing for Over the Garden Wall. Yeah, mm-hmm. we, we actually just finished it. We did four weeks going really in depth. Um taking every single episode and also listening to the music along along the way, um, just wow. reacting to uh, the, sh- the show and what the influence was on us and what we thought about the story and the characters and, you know, sometimes trying to sing along. Um, you know, we're not, we're not professional music people, but, you know, we, just, <laughs> we have fun singing along to your song. So thanks so much for that. Thank you for, of course, yeah, of course. I want to, I want to see all these. Yeah, and just as a way of our way of saying thank you for just being so creative and talented, we would like to bestow upon you the honor of giving you the title Musty Creative. Welcome. All right. <laughs> yeah, you did. It worked. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. So um, for those for those of you know uh, for those of our community, we definitely talk about the Blasting Company. But if you still don't know about them, can you explain you know a little bit about your background? What inspired you to pursue music? Josh, you want to start? Yeah, the answer is probably different for each of us. I um, got into music as a kid. There was uh, I guess Justin was playing Suzuki cello. I don't know if mom forced you to do that or. <laughs> Uh, and because I was really, you know, uh, worshipful of my older brother, I really wanted to do whatever he was doing. And he was playing Suzuki cello. So I took up Suzuki cello. Um, and he was pretty good at it. And uh, I wasn't very good. <laughs> but uh, he got basically in middle school, I think, 
quit because he wanted to play soccer, as I remember. Oh, wow. Uh, and I didn't get up to – when he quit, I quit. <laughs> so, you know, he's, he's so my mom tried yeah my mom tried to force me to continue cello because obviously i didn't get the five years of it that he got mm-hmm. um but uh it had started me on music and i remember sort of getting into piano as uh like see mom like i am practicing music i'm just not practicing cello yeah and um piano was this like escape from life for me and i think it's mm. still an escape from life for me and uh whether that's healthy or not i don't know but music is uh is for me a uh one of the few times that i'm really at peace with myself. and from from <laughs> from my side uh all that was true i did really want to i remember this I'm not sure if it's because it's like an implanted memory that that my mother told me about, but I, I do vaguely remember like listening to. It's probably I think it was NPR when they still had like classical music in the morning, and I'd be mm. being driven to school, and my mother would be listening to classical music, and I would like mime pantomime the violin, and she was like, and I was three years old or four years old, and she was like, oh, clearly you want to play violin, so let's. And enroll you in some sort of violin courses and then when i the reality of playing violin and like crooking my neck and my chin over the violin at that age uh hit me because i started taking classes and i saw the cello classes when i showed up for class like the cello class was going before me yeah and i saw them all sitting there <laughs> just chilling in a chair <laughs> with their heads straight and just like relaxed i was right. like oh that's actually better so i started playing cello and then, like Josh said, I quit. Um, and I didn't really get a real desire to play music again until Josh really kind of re, like his passion for it and him wanting to play was sort of something that we started bonding over. And we started oh, wow. writing songs together that were just like silly songs and didn't really have an instrument at that. Like I played guitar very poorly, but you know, enough to chunk along. And, and still kind of had a little bit of cello, but still not very, I wasn't very good at it anymore. Um, but it was just fun. It was like something that we really bonded over and he's had gotten so good at music. I was like, oh, I just, now I want to catch up to you and play as good as you. And yeah. uh, and anyway, uh, I think we had so much fun. I had so much fun and I, you know, I'll, I'll pass it back to Josh for, for validation. But uh, it was so much fun to, to to write music together and play music together that at some point we were like, let's uh, let's just someday go out and travel around and play music together and kind of like see where that gets us. And um, that was kind of the birth of the band was this kind of this uh, combination of we we've, we've always wanted to hang out. We're five years apart. Mm. We've never really gotten to hang out as young adults. And uh, let's go hang out and travel around a little bit because that seems fun and uh just kind of see where playing music will take us we're still wondering three-year journey of well like trying to like do what the other brother's doing yeah and then like uh, forming this band and then eventually forming a bigger band like how do you get 
how do you find like members of your band? How does that form? It, was it just a natural thing or did you have auditions? Like how did that work out? <laughs> <laughs> so imagine. <laughs> we didn't have any money. There was no gigs. <laughs> Uh, why would why would anyone want to audition? Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing. There's no. <laughs> yeah. Like, anyone who wants to join a band with no gigs, no money. Yeah. Come audition for us. <laughs> it is really, it is really weird that anybody ever wanted to join us at all. Um, and I don't know. Of course, we're really grateful for it, but I still, I'm. I, it's still sometimes like, why? <laughs> how did we meet anybody how did we ever of all the human beings in the world we met a, a, a good chunk of people that were willing to kind of like do this thing with us um that we didn't really know what we were doing but uh the the the, the long and short of it is is that um in the beginning um i had a school bus and I had converted to vegetable oil and we were but Josh and I and my, and my, and my friend Melissa uh, just kind of jumped on the school bus and we're like, anybody want to ride on the school bus? And like, super creepy. <laughs> yeah, wait, sorry. Quick question. You say you converted to vegetable oil using vegetable oil instead of gasoline to power instead the bus? Ga- yeah, it was a diesel. Oh, so we, yeah. Okay. It yeah, didn't work so very well. It, it was it was an adventure all the time. We broke down everywhere. Um, <laughs> but it I, was a, I applaud your effort, though. That That's actually really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. So, so folks, you know, I think folks were like, oh, cool. Like it's a free ride to wherever. Um, and there's enough space and there's some beds and stuff like that. Like, like, so, so we had some friends that hopped on and hopped off and we'd pick people up along the way and they'd join us. And if they could play an instrument or if they were interested in trying to play an instrument, they were welcome to come on. And then when we ended up in Los Angeles, it was just Josh and Josh and myself there. And we were just playing on the street and, uh, Actually, I need to back up a quick second. We were playing on the street in Nashville and through a real series of strange uh, and unlikely events, we um, ended up meeting this this guy, Brandon, who ended up writing, uh, helping us write Over the Garden Wall. Um, oh. And he just showed up. Basically, we were playing on the street. Some guy recorded us onto his onto a voicemail for Brandon from the street nice. and then we got hired to play a party that night and then we were playing that party and this like beautiful man with uh curly hair walks up to us and he's like hey um i think i heard you the, you guys playing on my phone today on my voicemail and we nice. were like oh you're the guy that the guy was holding the phone up for cool. right right and, and then he was like hey do you, you know I'm, I'm leaving tomorrow for berlin but if you guys want to jam uh, let's jam between today and tomorrow. And we were like, do you play tuba? And he was like, actually I do. And we was like, do you want to play tuba with us on the street? And he said, yes, I do. So we played like once on the street with him and then we didn't see him again for two or two years or so. And then, so that was the kind of the first person we picked up was just this random tuba player that we met in Nashville yeah. who eventually came back from Berlin and, and, and joined the band. Um, and, but then when we were in, when we were in Los Angeles, we were playing on the street and again, it's just those, all those random things that happen to you when, when just, when you kind of cast that wide of a net, you're playing on the street and you're just like, anybody is going to run into you and you don't know who it's going to be. Um, over time, uh, a bunch of other 
weird people decided <laughs> did they wanted to do this <laughs> to do the same thing with us and play on the street is yeah. that a good summary josh you can correct me i i'm just trying to remember the chronology did we met brandon before i met daniel no daniel's a really important no daniel's a really important yes it was before yes it was because he yes. went to he went to Germany the same time I went to Spain. Yes. Mm. Wow. Okay. I think so. So Brandon yeah. really was the first one. Huh. I've never had actually had to think through this properly. <laughs> We're taking a long time on this question, but can I just add that Brandon um, worked in an environmental uh, Southern Alliance for Clean Energy and oh. was actually, he was the... He was the one uh, who got saddled with the paperwork. He was the grant, writer, the grant writer for the bus conversion because we were working with an environmental organization in, in East Tennessee. Right. Um, and they were like, uh, we had this grant money from Greenpeace. And they were like, hey, why don't we put some of that money into converting the bus and do it as like a big um, presentation on Green uh, on a, Earth Day? On Earth Day, Green oh. Day. Do you have the time to listen to me whine about my point of view? No, no, no. No, this is good. I, I've never heard this before. I, I want to know more about this bus. Like, if you guys had pictures or something, that would be really cool. Oh, we got pictures. Yeah. yeah we got pictures. But so so we're the, we did a, like an Earth Day. Like, we we start we converted the bus at this kind of Earth Day fair. And right. Brandon was the one who was saddled with the grant writing to, like, move the money from a different fund over to the to the bus so and i didn't mm. even know nobody knew who he, he was just a, was a an invisible some, somebody uh, in middle tennessee who was doing the paperwork for us and we never met him before yeah. and then so years later we actually you know we found that out it was i was like four or five years later that the brand was like oh i think i did the paperwork on the school <laughs> bus by the way it was yeah. like just mountains like mountains and mountains of paperwork he had to do did he ever tell you how many pages it was he, he, he said it was he a didn't, pain. But I, he said it was a pain. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh man. No, I. He has a lot of talents. You're, and that's Brandon. That sort of just to be like Brandon is, in so many ways, the unsung hero of yeah. the Blasting Company. Like, he's. He worked just as much as me and Justin on on Over the Garden Wall. Yeah. And you'll see his name on all the sheet music and everywhere. And uh, Justin and I are sitting here just basking in the glory. And, uh, <laughs> Brand, and Brandon's just writing. Brandon, not Brandon's only did he do all the like, yeah. <laughs> doing work. he's just doing yeah, all the like, work. Not only did and he, then me did and Justin he... just, ha ah, like we're the best. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, sh shout out to Brandon if you're listening or watching, man. Uh, thank you. He's no, living his you, best life in the Netherlands right now, so he's he's having a great time, bro. All the love. Nice. <laughs> Your time in Nashville, were you were you there in Nashville because it's like the the music capital of the world? Um, what you're doing? We were we were born there. Oh, okay, okay. Wow, okay. So, so music no was choice. a part. No choice. Okay. And then um, I see I see in your bio the word is it busking? Were you busking? Okay. Can you can you explain that um, to the to the everyday person? I've never heard that term before. It's just uh, playing on the street, just begging, but with music. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. 
it's like almost just panhandling, but you playing an instrument. Right. Hmm. All right. But glorified it's, panhandling. Because <laughs> I feel like you know those people. Like uh, we just visited London last year for the first time. Uh, we saw like random piano players in the subway and, and things yeah. like that. And those people mm-hmm. kind of add like this like this musical tone to your life, especially within a city with all the street sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that kind of reminds me with with your style of music. You know what what kind of vibe would you say you were trying to create for people as they were passing by or or standing to listen for a song or two? That's a good question. I really like it when we would set up somewhere that you're not really expecting there to be a band exactly. Like some places you set up, uh, for instance, the Santa Monica um, Third Street Promenade. Mm, Yeah. Like, you know there's going to be buskers there, and they're part of the, it's highly regulated, and there's time slots, and it's part of the deal. You know, like, you know, I'm going there, there's going to be street performers. Right. And also uh, Las Ramblas in, in Barcelona. There's a few places like that that are buskers places um but i really like setting up somewhere um where there's people obviously because you need people but that's not they wouldn't necessarily see music there and they can sort of be pleasant oh wow look at this yeah this is really cool i remember you know uh, recently we were in portugal uh, with the band and i brought my son along for the it was a very small short tour and we were walking through some street in Portugal, and like suddenly there was a, a full uh, Mexican mariachi band just mm. set up, you know, in the street. Okay. And you know, we're sort of you see that once in a while in LA, but we right were not, Portugal. We were we were not expecting it in Portugal, and we right. were just so overjoyed to see. You know, it was like yeah, you know, that like we were a little homesick, and you know, my son was just, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> And it made our day. You know, it's still yeah. one of the best memories, you know, that he has. He brings it up. So there's something about just not expecting to see music and then being captured by it. Right. That is really beautiful. And um, I don't know. It's not, um, you know, I was being derogatory toward it before. But I, I do actually believe in my heart that it playing on the street is really valuable for society. Mm-hmm. Or, um to have music just not necessarily be like you have to, you need to know who's playing and you got to make a reservation and you got to pay some money before you got to yeah. get, you take your seat, buy some popcorn and sit down and listen to it. It's <laughs> a lot of and, steps. Yeah. There's something nice about like, I'm just trying to go to the Apple store to get my phone. Fixed. Right. And Oh shit. There's, you know, that's, like that's amazing. Look at this band or yeah. like, uh, this guy's in my way and he's just trying to get my money and I'm not, not going to look at him. Right. <laughs> Don't make eye contact. Yeah. You know, when the, when the, the, the artist uh, music player is like moving alongside with you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, cause, it's horrible to be the to be that that desperate when you're like taking your hat like come on like you know <laughs> right, I really right. need that money. Well, because uh, another part of with busking, um, now that I know the term that kind of endears me to you know seeing musicians on the street. I actually had a, a uh, chance when I was a kid to like dance with some musicians on the street. Like I don't Whoa. have you. Like not like a, I'm not like a professional dancer, but like you know you just get into the mood, you like the music, and you're like oh okay, you just start dancing. Um, have you know what are those types of experiences when you when you gather an audience and maybe people are kind of you know really you know jiving um, with with what you're playing? Do you do you really enjoy that? Do you 
do you want to encourage more of that? You're thinking of Tallinn, aren't you? Just I'm thinking of Tallinn. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, yeah I, I was, was thinking, thinking of Tallinn. I'll let you know. It was amazing. It was, a, it was one of the best experiences of our musical lives, I think. Nice. Yeah, it really gives me... I mean, the and the short answer is absolutely like the times when it's been, you know, what from from whatever from like one person just like throwing down like right. we had we had a you know we were playing in we were playing in the Castro once and this just fully naked guy comes and just starts like break dancing and it was <laughs> so good it was so fun yeah. but then the really one of the I mean. I just don't know if it's ever going to be matched, but uh, one of the greatest experiences I think I, I ever had as as a like playing on the street was we were playing in Tallinn in in Estonia, and we were playing this big square um, with tons of I I guess it's medieval architecture. I mean, it's very old architecture. Everything you know, everything is stone and everything is very old. And it's a full circle square um, with tiny little roads cutting through the, the, the stone. And uh, and I don't know how it even happened, but it was really, I mean, it was really like we were playing yeah. and I looked up and I don't know if this was the experience for the rest of the band, but I was just playing and there were some people hanging out and watching us. And I, I feel like I just like looked up and there were about a hundred people maybe less, maybe more, but there were way too many people in a circle dancing, like doing like a circle folk, like dancing oh. in the square, filling the whole <laughs> plaza. And there yeah. were people, like, it was the craziest thing. I, I've, I've never seen anything like that and probably never will again. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it was a big square and it was full and it was, a, and it was full of people like holding hands and dance. I was never seen it. It was so weird. That's amazing. And weird, weird, and just a good, you know, weird in that that kind of way where you're like, I, I live in too cynical of a world to even like process <laughs> the kind of like connectivity and happiness that is happening around me right now, and something must be wrong. Like these people all must be crazy, <laughs> or I'm, you know, like something is wrong because there's like there can't be like this much. I can't feel this level of like happiness and like connectedness. Um, mm. So I did something wrong, mm. but uh, it was it was uh, it was cool. Is that That's accurate, awesome. Josh? Yeah, it was so it was very beautiful. Everyone holding hands, and you feel uh, like part of something. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. It's nice. When people dance, you you know, music doesn't make that much sense if you don't dance. because <laughs> i was um i was thinking about all the places that you've been to you've traveled to a bunch of different countries how has that really influenced your music mm. a lot when we started up um we had no idea what we were doing and um we were playing we were into the you ever see those kusterica movies underground and um, mm. Black, white, black cat, white cat. There's famous movies from uh, ex Yugoslavia, Serbia. Oh no, and sorry, I haven't seen those. We uh, so that we were really into those movies, and we really liked that. We were playing, uh, I guess, essentially Serbian folk music, but 
we were calling ourselves Albania Mania. <laughs> and and we thought that was so funny. And, <laughs> and Albania Mania it's not a good name for a uh, a band playing Serbian music. Because mm. uh Serbs and Albanians, we didn't know. We're just right. know, we're just southern Jews. We don't know. <laughs> right, right. And and uh Albania Mania wasn't the right name for a band playing Serbian music. Right. Uh, we love Albanian music too. Now that we've been there and we know about it, and 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 we loved Serbian music also. Obviously, we still love. It. And we were in Savannah, Georgia. We had, our bus had broken down again, mm. and we were in. We were stuck there, and uh, <laughs> and we were playing out on the Riverwalk there, Serbian music, with a sign that said, Albania Mania. Mostly. <laughs> Not very good. (laughs) And so this guy comes up to us, an older gentleman, who we found out later was a professor of art, I think, of sculpture at SCAD, the Savannah College of Art and Design. Uh, And he was also a Serb. And Mm. he was like, hey, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) I, I realize that you're Americans. And, you know, <laughs> mercy. okay, it's fine. It's cool. But you should probably change your band name because you're playing Serbian music. Either you should learn some Albanian music right. and play right. and be Albanian. Man. Or you, re- you need a different band name because this is uh, inappropriate. Yeah. And, and we, we, I think I, at least I, maybe Justin did too. I definitely felt called out and I felt uh, dumb and I felt like uh, he was um, upset. Yeah. But then he twisted it and he said, so I want you to come to my house tomorrow and play for my barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll pay you. But you should probably change your band name. Yeah. And his name, as I remember, is uh, Milutin Petrovich. Mm. Uh, and uh, he was an awesome guy. And he taught us a lot about where the music we liked so much came from. And he told us about the Gucha Brass Music Festival, and he taught us all kinds of... I was 16, 17, we didn't know what we were doing. And uh, I think, I feel like the band is really named after him. Yeah. It's really, uh, you know, we basically just were like, okay, he told us to change the name, so it's getting named after him now. Right. (laughs) Uh, um, But then the problem, so Justin and I are like work. And Greg, which is a significant <laughs> later, are half brothers to our mom. What? Uh, and uh, we have different dads, which means that we have oh. different last names. I was wondering. Okay, I was, I was wondering about that. Okay, uh, but both of them are uh, uh, Jewish-sounding last. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> but they are different. They are yeah. different, and so it was. Yeah. It was effective for for a time to be the Petrovich Blasting Company and just have people assume that that was our last name, and yeah. uh, that also we were playing Serbian music and it benefited us. But ultimately, <laughs> I think we felt it was uh, disingenuous, mm. um, and we didn't want to deceive anybody. It was mostly a tribute to Milutin for setting us straight, right? And right. Uh, and so lately. I've been shying away from that in favor of the blasting company, even though, unfortunately, it has the word the, and I think maybe Justin has a pet peeve. 
about having the word the in the band name. Was that you or Brandon? Friend, what, someone has a pet peeve about yeah. the. It's not you. I don't mind it. Yeah. I think Brandon didn't. Yeah. Brandon doesn't like having the. But we sent him far away to the Netherlands. <laughs> yeah. We'll never hear from him again. <laughs> playing music a lot on the street and um we were selling this uh handmade cds of uh, the one you can you, the history of public relations that you can still get uh, on Bandcamp. nice um, it's it's a live recording you know it's uh, it's okay and <laughs> uh, we were selling that and uh, pa- uh patrick McHale received a copy from one of the writers of Over the Garden Wall, Amaria Lavari. Awesome. And yeah. uh, she basically said, check out this band. They, you know, it's maybe it would work for the show, you, the pilot you're working on for Cartoon Network. Because he had, you know, he was working on Adventure Time for, for a while. And then right. he was basically making this pilot for his own show uh, to pitch to Cartoon Network. And he reached out to us um, and said, are you interested at all in scoring this show and we had done i think we did some songs for a share movie called burlesque oh uh, we played some like, background music for that and i, I believe uh, there was a seth rogan movie that licensed one of our songs jason uh, siegel awesome. jason siegel they're related oh. a little bit mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so, those names uh, <laughs> anyway uh, <laughs> uh they had licensed one of our songs uh, for a movie. So we had a little bit, like, we kind of, like, were able to pad our re- our uh, resume a little bit. Like, yeah, yeah we, know, we know about that. We know right, that. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And Cartoon Network bought it. And and nice. um, and they uh, they said, yeah, okay, you can score the pilot. And Pat, we, we uh, were very thankful to Pat for having uh, faith that we could figure out a way to sound like something we had never sounded like before right you know he really was able to imagine like oh if these guys could do this like maybe i could get them to do this and somehow that worked out i'm I'm amazed actually that i wouldn't have had we did the pilot and it worked out and it got picked up for the miniseries and then that set us into this world of at least thinking of ourselves as tv and film composers and then he helped us land another job um a show called Costume Quest, which was for Amazon, and we got to work with uh, one of the creators of The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Oh, yeah, I do. And so that you know, then we started thinking, oh, we are uh, composers for film and TV, and we started working <laughs> on commercials. Well, um, you know, speaking of, speaking of Over the Garden Wall and and that wonderful process of, of getting involved with Pat, you know, can you can you talk about like you know him? coming to you and saying, oh, this is the story. You have these two brothers. They go into this, like, very weird land, have this autumn Halloween feeling to it. How do you take that and then interpret, you know, that into a series of, of songs that then become, like, the, the musical language of Over the Garden Wall? Uh, I think we have to give a lot of credit to Pat there um, because he really, I think the quality of a good director maybe is uh like knowing knowing 
at least at the very least knowing when something doesn't fit in your world mm. you know and he imagined this whole universe um and we would in the, in some ways we were shooting in the dark you know we we're like oh here's a song like how about this yeah and i think he could really he had this ability to like sit with it and and say like yes this even though i wasn't imagining this exactly it fits in this world or like i like this but it doesn't fit in the world yeah um and so in, in a sense he really was you know just in the fact of saying yes this is a good direction no this is a bad direction um he was really setting the tone of his universe in every place you know not just music but the animation and background uh, illustrations and the voice acting and Every, you know, everywhere he's sitting and considering and saying, this, this fits. No, yeah. this doesn't, this is not, this is not right. Um, and so I think a lot of it has to do with his having a very well-defined imaginary universe in his mind. Mm. For us, it was mostly about trying to get inside of his mind and be yeah. able to intuit what would be right. Um, you know, basically to absorb his universe from him because he's already got it in here yeah. and then you have to somehow like accept you know telepathically or however this knowledge and get it in here and then it's like once you're in there you also have the superpower of like yes this chord feels good and and this melody that that doesn't work for this world you know that that would never happen in the unknown yeah and, uh, and this feels like it would and that and i think that mm -hmm. sense is something that you um, become really familiar with the vision, with the director's vision, what they, what they think, what what the world. You know, it's it, you're trying to bring something that's just in somebody's brain to be real. I I feel like also it's worth shouting out uh, Levon Jahani and Nick Cross and like the art direction team the too artists. because mm. when when we first got you know when when he kind of sent us the the pitch bible or like the, the you know initial kind of sketch of what he he wanted there he did already have a lot of the the background paintings like a couple of a couple of uh, ideas of background paintings nice and um it already sort of in the same way that you know um I guess a lot of people who, who, who watch the show or listen, I mean, e even ourselves, you know, it, it's kind of become this, uh, it's, it's an autumnal thing or whatever, you know, it's like, uh, yeah. you know, come, come October, like that's a pretty good time to listen to music because the leaves are falling and stuff like that. Right. And, and that's not, that wasn't just because we did it. Like that was from the beginning when you saw for like Nick Cross's first, first paintings are sort of like, Oh, okay. I already sort of get the language that they want musical language that they probably want in this yeah and uh you know what i mean so it really like it really set us in the right direction just like in terms of in, in terms of just feeling it and i think for whatever reason that that pat came into it with blind faith in us some of that was justified in the sense that we did we did have a he what he he must have gleaned it from the album or whatever but we did have a common language when we were speaking about music, you know, sometimes he would come with, um, with reference tracks or something like that. Yeah. And we would, you know, we would hear the reference track with the song. We'd be like, first of all, I know who that artist is. We model ourselves after that. But, you know, like one example would be like Tom Waits, like he'd come with a reference mm -hmm. track of Tom Waits and we'd be like, 
well, duh. Yeah. I mean, we would have done that too. Right. So, you know, like we did have a common, you know, we did have a common language from the get go that was like, okay, we're kind of like, we're all sort of aiming into the same thing. And if we do shoot in the dark, we miss and he can kind of rein us back in or, you know, and I think that was the reason that, you know, it worked in the other direction too, where we would shoot in the dark and we'd, we'd be way off, but Pat would be like, well, actually that's, you know, that works. But I, I do remember when I saw the first paintings, I was like, oh, I feel like, this seemed like a super daunting task, but I actually feel like we might be able to pull it off. Yeah. If this is the kind of feeling that they want to give us, you know? Yeah. It feels like a, a perfect fit. Cause you know, uh, usually, you know, you see these, these movies or these shows, they have like the hundred, hundred piece orchestra, like a John Williams type of score, you know, or, you know, you do something more like electronica, but you know, you don't usually see a, a cartoon show have this type of music, or an animated uh, program had this type of music, and it was so fresh, to be quite honest. Um, so yeah, hats off to you, hats off to to Pat and the artist team. It was is really great to when I first heard that that first like sound. Um, I think it's a, a violin kind of introing the, the the beginning of the show before Wirt and Greg show up in the first scene. It, it's amazing. So you know, thank you for all that. I think it really exposes a new generation of kids to that kind of music because yeah. I feel like a lot of them are hearing just like the top 40 kind of stuff so they're not really getting exposed to it but just having it in this form of like this really funny creepy Cartoon Network show I think it's really I guess broadened the musical landscape of these kids so I think it's really cool that all of you got together and were able to collaborate and make something that even though it sounds old-fashioned it, it feels new and fresh so that yeah. was really awesome yeah you know did you expect for you know any do you get any hints that this could blow up and create such a loyal fan base like every fall you know we're seeing on twitter oh time to watch over the garden wall you know time to to listen to the blasting company you know that that kind of the love that you see when when we were making it, I remember just dreaming that we would get a DVD of it. Mm. Uh, my dream was like, this is so hard. We're working so much harder than we should be on <laughs> on a Cartoon Network. Like like I was remember thinking like, are the other composers working this hard on these shows? <laughs> you know, like, and like for Dexter's Laboratory, I mean, I right, know that right. actually, I really, I, I like that Dexter's Laboratory. Yeah, I like it too. But but yeah, but uh, but I'm like wondering, like, are they like doing all nighters every night? And, and like, we were just killing ourselves. I mean, I, I still say like we probably lost five years of our lives <laughs> in that period when we were working. So much. Um, my vice is uh, candy. I'm a late night candy yeah. eater. Yep, same. Uh, Milkshakes and. Uh, uh, I'm lactose intolerant, okay. so I, I really shouldn't eat too much milkshakes, <laughs> but I do some. Yeah. Uh, to everyone, it, everyone's detriment. But <laughs> the uh, <laughs> but but uh, the, yeah, so I, I really feel like we were working so hard on it, and and it was uh, it was this dream. I was like, you know what, you guys, you know, it would like it was like a pep talk to Justin and Brandon, you know like three in the morning, I was like, there's going to be a DVD of this thing. Right. And like, and maybe we'll get like, we'll make them do some kind of option where you can just listen to the music. Cause like, that's how we heard the, the show was 
we were often muting the dialogue track. Mm. And just like we were just watching these beautiful images and mm-hmm. had the music. And we're like, and it was so nice and sort of like slow and kind of like Bambi, you know, the beginning yeah. of Bambi. Is yeah. like there's, there's no dialogue for so long. Right. And it's so beautiful draw animation. And that's how Over the Garden Wall looked to us. Yeah. A lot of the time. And like we were, we were, the dream was like, there's going to be a, they're going to, even though Cartoon Network never makes DVDs of anything, <laughs> like they're going to, they're going to make a DVD of this. Right. And there's going to be like a, a composer uh, soundtrack option. And I think that was sort of the, the, the biggest holy grail of like what we could achieve <laughs> on the show. Yeah. Um, and when, when it happened, we were just so like, oh, so happy. Like people are going to be able to turn on just the music on this thing. And then Elijah Wood I think pulled strings with uh, with Mondo Tees, hmm. uh, a record label, Mondo Records, and and uh, was able to get this tape, the Forcera tape, nice made, yeah. Um, and he and he actually came. We got like we you know Elijah Wood came into our little studio in Glassell Park, and we recorded on these tape machines, this <laughs> uh, like poetry tape, yeah. And I remember thinking yeah. like I remember thinking like wow we like we this is like way bigger than we ever thought it could be. <laughs> and then we got to release the soundtrack on vinyl and we had to like go way in deep into like we never planned on releasing a soundtrack so there's all these unfinished songs uh patient is the night i remember had there was no ending yeah just like that little scene in oh, the show there wasn't a song. song there was it just ended you know like <laughs> like a because like there was dialogue after that, so we didn't uh, mm-hmm. over, and so we had to like go back into the sessions. Like well, this needs like an ending now because mm-hmm. people are gonna... we never imagined that it would be quite so popular. But I, but I, I did know. I mean, we all knew that we were working way harder than normal, and that, and not only us, like everyone on the show. Pat was doing crazy all nighters. Yeah. Nick Cross was Nick Cross was doing way over. I don't know what he got paid, but it was not enough for mm-hmm. what he did. Um, just an, an example was like he and Pat, I think, dreamt up the uh, old fashioned animation. I don't know what exactly the name for rotoscoping or there's some name for the, how the highwayman is hand oh, animated. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that was a cool. That was um, a very cool scene. And they they kind of just dreamed it up. And then I think Pat was like, oh, but yeah, but there's no way we afford anyone to do that you know that's like a really late labor intensive and i think nick was just like oh i'll do it <laughs> oh man and he and he just hand animated every single shot of the highwayman wow. doing that like thing basically i mean for free really because it was not in his pay grade to do that mm-hmm. yeah and basically every single person who worked on over the garden was way below their pay grade mm-hmm. um, and just really putting in a lot of effort and it, and it helped a lot that it was only 10 episodes because yeah uh, I think if it had been any longer everyone would have died oh <laughs> oh see and, uh, but I'm glad I'm glad you're saying this because sometimes as fans you know we're greedy I'm not gonna lie I'm greedy I want more give me more content you wanted but, them to die no I don't want them to die <laughs> but, but I like this is good do we need to know this, these stories? So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just the only way stuff 
I'll just paraphrase uh, an Ira Glass interview that I uh, that he he says uh, everything wants to be bad. All art wants naturally to be bad, and boring, <laughs> and, and just bad. Yeah. And you have to constantly like prop it up, you know, like it's just the ceilings falling everywhere, <laughs> and you're just everything is like you're just trying. Oh, please, like don't. Don't be bad. Yeah. Oh, it's hero now. Now it's here bad because I was propping it up over there. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, the only way for anything to be good is for like everyone who's working on a thing basically to be extremely um, cognizant of trying not to be bad. Yeah. And uh, it's really a, a pain. It's a pain in the butt. And and I don't even know. I mean, I think rewatching Over the Garden Wall with Pat now would probably be embarrassing. <laughs> um, I mean, I think we would. I think at least musically, I would be like, "Oh, I can't believe that guy's in there." But I haven't rewatched it in a while, and I, I'm afraid. Um, so it's it's not um, it's not easy to make anything good. I don't know yeah. if it's possible. That, that's true. That is very true. At the beginning, when he was kind of dreaming up, when we were working on pilot, mm-hmm. and I knew he had Elijah Wood attached, and so that was already like this amazing. How did you get Elijah Wood yeah. to do this? But I remember, you know, being I think at a bagel joint one time with him, and him being like, and then you know we'll try and get John Cleese, and we'll try yeah. and get like Tim Curry, and I was like, yeah. what? Like you're not gonna get John Cleese and how, Tim Curry? And how does like, he get these? Never- how do you get these people? That's that's what I'm trying to figure out too. He has connections or yeah. something. No, he just called them. Wow. Uh, like, he, like it was not. There was nothing special about it. He's mm. very. I mean, he had a beautiful pitch bible. He's a very yeah. good artist, and yeah, he had true. a very strong concept. And it's beautiful. You know, the pitch was very beautiful. And you know, we. I was enchanted the first time he sent the first email. There was some artwork in there and i was like oh this is incredible i yeah. want I, of course I, you know this is i want to dedicate my life to this guy well one of, one of my favorite songs uh from the whole over garden wall album is um you know the fight is over and you know it's again it's not super long but it just invokes uh, the sense of wonder kind of a nostalgia for me uh it feels like i'm being transported back to an earlier time like you know late late 80s 90s uh, kind of just like rock music and but it also feels like just a complete departure from everything else that i've heard so far in 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 the music like what what was that process like um like to set that tone set that mood uh for for when you when you you know when you're creating that song justin wrote that justin writes all the lyrics of everything really oh that's awesome I, I wrote, yeah justin I, is I, justin is the lyric i did write most of those i think i wrote uh, some like te- like uh, suggested lyrics, and then he came back and was like, "No, no, no, I want it to be about this." And then he wrote, re- he rewrote the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a back and forth over that. Um, but I believe I believe it's pretty closely related to a T Rex. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the ones where he was like, because I I feel like that one, like that whole set, that whole episode, but in particular the music that was at the kids party right. and like that opener, that opener, it's, it's all, you know, we're, we're now in, in, this is the music that like Wart nerds out over, you know, this mm. is the, this is the music that inspires Wart, which okay. was 
you know, in a lot in the of real world, yeah, which is the real world, and a lot of in a lot of ways, like mirrored the music that like inspired Pat when he was growing up, or the music that inspired me when I was growing up, and stuff, yeah. and stuff like that. T Rex was thrown out. There were you know, a couple other options, but kind of T Rex was one of the ones where we were sort of like, man, yeah, like it's just the perfect. That's just kind of the perfect direction to go. So I mean, right. it, you know, it was a bit of a a mock up, a mock up of that, which is super fun music to make. Yeah, and I wish we could have made that song. I wish we had had time to make that whole song or the, or a whole band for that, you know, yeah. for that genre because that was really fun. And this is the greedy fan part of me, but yes, I would love a a three, four, five minute version of that song. You know, maybe do like a like a like a rush style music video to go along with it, or <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I mean, that. I yeah, that solo it's to not, keep going. It's yeah, it's not out of the question to make more seventies kind of T Rex music. We could probably make that happen. I do. I know. I, I, I do, but it's all order. Yeah, I mean, if, a, if we I mean, gotta do a Kickstarter, let me know. We'll we'll, we'll definitely publish it. Yeah, yeah. We we did an ex- we did the experiment with Tiny Star, uh, trying to make more of some episode nine music. I'm not sure it's been uh, what everyone wanted us. <laughs> so, so I'm wondering, I'm wondering if we should just focus our efforts on like what people want us to do. Mm. But but in but in another argument, you guys want us to do this and you're <laughs> well, I, really want, I really want to make I, I like rock and roll a lot yeah no it, it, it felt it felt so good just to listen to it. I, I've repeated that song just put it on loop multiple, multiple times and yeah that's it's also Pat's yeah. vocal so, yeah I was gonna yeah I wanted to ask about that yeah so that's him singing that's Pat singing yeah wow released with this really interesting short film attached to it. Yeah. Um, so I was wondering if that was a specific story that you were drawing from for the music video and also the lyrics, or is that um, a collection of different stories? How did you create the song Candy? Mm-hmm. It was one of those like backlogged pieces. I had written it a, like years ago, and we'd kind of... We tried playing it in various configurations uh, at live shows and stuff like that, but it never really was finished. And it never really wasn't really sure of the direction. Um, it's kind of like an amalgam of 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 a couple different stories, and like one story was just the feeling when I was a kid. I was playing hide and go seek, and it was like one of my first crushes that I'd ever had. And I was playing. Hide and go seek. No, I was playing sardines. So like one person goes and hides and then the, if the other person finds that person, they have to hide with them. And then if the other person finds that person, so everyone's looking oh. for one person and then you have to like hide with that person. And I remember, I, I think I was hiding and the girl I had a crush on found me. And then, and it was, I was hiding on the side of a couch, uh, which is not a very good hiding spot, but yeah. no one was finding us. Oh. And so the two of us are just like crouched on like by the side of this couch and we're just like, like hold up. And I just remember like, 
the elect, you know, just the weird, the, the dumb, the dumb energy of just like having that kind of like electricity of like a crowd and the whole world yeah. sort of condenses to this one singular focus with focal point, which is just like, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God. Right. And you know, that's it. That's, that's your whole entire world is that feeling. Yeah. And so I think I kind of started writing it from that. Like, what if you just put, like, what if you were, what if you just put those kids in a really messed up situation mm. and they're having that same focal point but they're, you know, kind of, and, and I sort of like, that's ah, really interesting. So the song was kind of starting to get, get like fleshed out through that. And then I remember meeting kids, uh, people my age now, but who grew up, um, during the, the war in Yugoslavia, the yeah. civil war there. And during a lot of the bombing, particularly in, this was, uh, mostly kids that like people that I, friends of mine that are from like Belgrade and stuff like that. And they were, you know, they were, they were kids, they were young. They were obviously like, to the extent that they knew what was going on, anti-war because it was screwing up everything and it was terrible and it was terrible, you know, and, you know, but, but also they were young. They were like 13, 14. Yeah. And when the U.S. would be flying and, and NATO would be flying, doing bombing raids over Belgrade, um, they were decimated. It was one of the worst, one of the worst bombing campaigns in history, you know. Wow. And these kids, they would go out of their house and they'd go to like the nightclubs, because um, mm. that was like one of the safest places you could go. You you go out of your apartment building, you know, where you live on the eighth floor, and you're subject, you're very close to the bombs, and you go underground to like a club and you hang out. Damn. And I just remember being like, oh my god, they had that weird feeling that was happening and that I was kind of like trying to like go for in the song where it's like you're everything is terrible around you everything is totally messed up but you're 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 with your crush on the yeah, ground right while everything is getting destroyed around you you're with you know and it's like and you're you're lucky enough to be living for now and you're young enough to be like your entire focus is just on this little experience and your world just barely is able to conceive or extend at all beyond that and stuff like that and how right. tragic but how weirdly beautiful and you know there's like just so many kind of things wrapped up in it and um when we were uh, josh and i were playing a show and we ran into this uh but we had somehow like gotten that song onto a bootleg cd <laughs> and some people had had heard the not not a like a you know one of our bootleg CDs that we would like make you know copy off of our computers and sell you know oh, okay. and, and wrapped up in like paper that we printed at Kinkos or something. And so, <laughs> but this, this one band that we were big fans of, they would like that they we met them, and the woman it's uh, La Santa Cecilia, and the lead singer Marisol comes up and she was like. Uh, and we met, you know, I was like, Hey, I'm Justin. And she's like, Oh, I know who you guys are. I really like your song candy. And I was like, oh. Whoa, where did you find that song? <laughs> it's not a finished song. It's, it doesn't belong out there. Yeah. That's crazy. But it's kind of like put seeded the feeling like maybe we should just take a shot at like finishing the song and see if it's a good enough song to, to, to release. Yeah. Um, so yeah, kind of in revisiting it and, and talking about it. I mean, it just sort of couched it in, in, in a way, it was like a vague. It was a vague Civil War reference, but also in 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 terms of our own experience, like growing up in the South and growing up in the United States. Obviously, like the Civil War is 
one that we know about and it's one that like when you're making a a reference to something that's hideous and heinous that's happening all around people um you catch that reference quickly and you understand that they're couched in this thing that is like awful and full of like like you just understand the cultural reference better than say if were we to be like you know set it in belgrade or something like that i mean it's like for us as americans it's much closer and it's much and it's and it's things that we have to deal with and unpack ourselves right. and so sort of couching that idea of like what you know what is happening i don't know and i think you know i think we kind of we kind of all agree in america i hope that um the south was wrong you know the yes south, the, 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 <laughs> yeah we, we all agree that that was the evil you know sort of the evil empire of mm-hmm. that right time. right um uh, but then, you know, it's also like even when you're even when you're righteous and you're doing like the right thing and, mm-hmm. we're, you know, we're taking down this evil empire. Right. There's still it's like, you know, when, even when you blow up the Death Star in Star Wars. Right. There's still like, man, there's all these like guys who just like uh, they just do the computers on the Death Star. Yeah. They're not Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah. They're just like the guy. That, the IT or, guy. You know, it's just like some, or, or, yeah, it's just some guy doing IT. Like, <laughs> did he deserve to die? Or the lunch lady. And, and a, uh, or children. Lunch lady children, on the Death Star. Children who yeah. haven't had time to or like children. form a moral a moral consideration of the world period i'm gonna i'm gonna zoom zoom back out uh, zoom back out of the of the 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 kind of like socio-political things and and i remember having a conversation with Ari soul and her husband and he was like man i just love like he's like that song just makes me feel like and love is just so messed up like mm. love just messes you up you know it's like yeah. war yeah. And I was like, or something like that. I was like, huh? Yeah. Like, and all of, and all of the, the time, like I had spent like, tr- like trying cause also there's questions like, like, does the song need to be written about the civil war? Does it need mm. to be written about these characters? And so, you know, like, it's not, that's not really, it's not necessary that they like be couched in that thing, but you know, it's sort of like yeah. the song had kind of gone in that direction. And I was like, you know, in some ways you just sort of let something go and you just sort of hope like, does this make sense? Does this like work? Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm always, I'm always curious and I'm obviously like, you know, I mean, there, there've been some folks who've commented and then, and, and offered great criticisms of it and stuff like that. But I did find that, that, that some people really had it like outside of the, the, of the, of the metaphoric kind of context was just sort of like, man, it's, or like, sorry, maybe more in, in the metaphor where just sort of like, man, it's just like these, you know, love is just like rips you apart. Love just like destroys you. And I was like, that's kind of true too. So anyway, the, yeah. the you know, at some point after we'd recorded the song, uh, I was, you know, thinking of, I did want to do, do a music video of some sorts and then just kind of came up with that, the, the, the story that's there. And we found there was a kid who made a, I'm just going to go back to like the, how it how it came about but oh, there was, yeah. there was a, a kid who was about to start school at cal arts named peter fultz mm. and he pat pat had sent us a fan video that he had made of i don't know if it's called a fan but he, he made a video of uh old black train which is the song from the from episode nine right mm-hmm. um and it was really pretty yeah and i, was, and I had already kind of come up with the concept of the of the 
music video and had made a few like really bad sketches. I'm not a drawer <laughs> or anything like that. So, um, and, uh, and I was just like, maybe, I don't know, like maybe just, maybe I'll just see if this guy wants it. I feel like the animation is that like, he's, he's kind of has the right sort of aesthetic for it. Yeah. So I just sent him a cold email and was like, I don't know who you are, or what you do, but I really liked the music video you made or the video you made. And, and, you know, would you be interested in doing and working together? And, uh, it was super cool. And I loved it. Like, I mean, I've said this before, but like, uh, he knew his price, which to me mm. was like, one of the things I was most worried about, because knowing, having worked on on Over the Garden Wall and worked right. with, you know, and no, well, some shade at Cartoon Network or anybody who employs anybody these days for television, yeah. like people are underpaid, right. and it's really hard to sort of ask for your for your value. Yeah. And I, I really was really amazed at this kid. I think he was eighteen or nineteen at the time, knew what his value was. Yeah. And it was way more than we knew we could, you know, that we were going to be able to. Like, you know, we didn't we didn't have any money money necessarily for it, you know, but like we managed to it it was it was cool because we managed to raise that you know, enough money to sort of pay him fairly and stuff like that. But I just nice. also felt like, oh good, there is a generation of people who are coming in that are like know what they're worth. Right. And they're gonna like stand up for themselves and stuff like that. Mm. And if we're going to create a tiny micro economy of occasionally releasing music videos, I really want that economy to be like a small version of what like should be fair, you know, right. like what should be, you know what I mean? So great to work with. Yeah. Uh, knew, knew exactly where to take it. So. You know, the animation speaks like so many things to it, like with the two cannonballs, like kind of zipping around. And then when they, when they land on that house, finally with the, the two kids, you know, you know, they're starting to hold hands and, and things like that with the, with the one candlelight. I mean, it it's great. It's very moving. It, it's, you know, it's it's uh, a different type of like animation that I don't usually see, but it still hit those messages of what the song was trying to say. Um, not to go too too far into the the war thing like we were before, but I did, I did want to ask. I think there's a line in the song about you know um, like a young man going off to war and and and, and dying. That that kind of I guess that kind of theme or ethos of of war, like war is hell and things like that. Um, kind of going back to what you were saying earlier with talking with people about, you know, Yugoslavia and their civil war and, and dropping the bombs on, on Belgrade. I It's interesting because you went to the civil war, the American civil war, but it still feels relevant when I watched the song, when, when I watched it, when I listened to the song. You know, why do you think it, it feels relevant? Is it just because people are continuously saying anti-war um, we don't want to have any more war. Is it just relevant because of, you know, the political climate or just to remind people again, don't repeat history. You know, let's, let's find ways to have peaceful resolution. You know, why do you think it, it's still relevant that those kind of messages? There's like a whole Dostoevsky argument about children. Uh, I don't know if you've heard this thing, but it's worth looking up about returning your ticket. You know, it's like this idea mm. of like faith, uh, like faith in God and, and things like that. That's like versus, the idea that like children just like needlessly die. Right. And like, mm. that's a huge, that's a really rich area of debate, whether yeah. it's religious or whether it's like about like, basically what is the cost? Like, what is the cost of society? What is the cost of religion? What is it called? Like if a kid is, if a kid, because, and so essentially like the, like the, them going down into the thing and having this like super focus 
and in a way, like to me, to me, like it was funny, funny a little bit because like the world is crashing down around them, but they are, that boy is like hyper focused on just like how giddy and everything. You know, yeah. just like, I can't, it's just like, he's like, is she going to hold my hand? Is she going to hold right. my hand? Right. <laughs> no, the world is fucking ending around him. <laughs> everything is terrible. And all he wants to know is like, is her knee going to touch my knee? You know? Right, like, right, right. And, and I think, and I, and you know, for what it's, for whatever philosophical thing I may have to offer in my short lifetime, you know, like there is this like hope that like people, I think one, you know, one of the failures of growing up is that our hierarchy of needs mm. starts to supplant, like starts to like th- those needs of like human connection get lower and lower and some other need gets like re- like replaced on it but like if we were in t- like so it's just a small reminder that like that's still really like high up on the priority like yeah. the world is ending around you and it will most likely not end around you if you just remember how nice it is to have a human connection for a second right it most likely won't end if you re- remember that like the person standing in front of you is like someone who makes you giddy and excited and electrified because mm-hmm. you're having like a, a connection. But we just like keep moving that down in terms of, and, and, you know, and again, again, like the kind of, again, on the, on the point that Josh was making, you know, you either, you either dehumanize that other person mm-hmm. or you just put 60 other needs on top of them, money right. and, you know, whatever and stuff like that. And so, you know, while like, while they are also, while they're the victims of all of our stupidity, being the adults making the, decision, the decisions around them and getting into the fights around them, they're also sort of the key to us remembering like who we are. Yeah, the, the, the pre-moral us who haven't like made our moral decisions and who just idolize everything that's like happening around us right in front of our eyes, you know. human connection yeah we were wondering how it is working with siblings in a band because my mother and father were in a band with my uncles and it was just big family like traveling around america and there were fights and it was just crazy drama and the relationships because they were so close emotionally it just caused a lot of like really high highs and really low lows. And I was just wondering like, what is it like working together and traveling around working on these projects? Poor Brandon. (laughs) Poor Brandon. (laughs) Poor Brandon. Oh man. He had had to deal with so many fights, you know, because it, one thing is you're just more comfortable fighting with your, with your family. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because you can never, you can never like, there's no walking out of a familial. There's no like, I'm never calling you again. <laughs> That's never going to happen. Yeah. And so you can, you can push it further. Uh, <laughs> than you would with a normal friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can push it. You can push the fights further. <laughs> we generally know which fights we're going to lose mm. to the other two. Yeah. Um, which then just allows us the joy of the fight, yeah, um, <laughs> with very low stakes because you know you're going to lose 
or win, you know, who, whatever side you're on. Gotcha. Um, I, I've learned, I've learned to like preface something that we're going to fight over <laughs> that I know, like, I know that we disagree about it. Um, <laughs> I've learned to like consider how far I'm willing to go to mm. win this fight. Mm. And I'll usually preface the fight with like, I'm willing to be overruled here. Nice. But, and, that, and that's usually a, a, you know, it's like, I'm not, I'm not going to sit on, cause there are certain issues that are just deal breakers. There's no, I'm, we we're not doing it if I don't win. That. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, you know, just that stubborn younger brother, like I am sitting on this thing until <laughs> I get my way. Oh man. Great. Um, Greg and work. Greg and work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We definitely, we definitely have some similarities. Um, Greg and work. But I, I, w- I would say in general, pretty much on the same page on yeah. all the most important stuff. Yeah. And the main, I, you know, I think the main thing is that like I, and I'm not just being performative with this, but like, uh, you know, I don't get a chance to say this to, to, to Josh face to face either, but like, I, I look forward to like every time we're working on something together, like just a little nice. bit of validation, you know, just like a little bit of like, Hey, I came up with this idea. Like, do you want to, you know, yeah. You want to, you know, like I, it's like, as long as like, so that's pretty much for me, kept me from doing the things that, you know, my, like, uh, try to go be a lawyer or a doctor or something like that is the thing that keeps like reining me back in or reeling me back in is just like, I really love that. I really love getting to do that. And that's who I get to do it with. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's cool that that's the job. I definitely, yeah, when you have uh, someone who doesn't mind telling you that your idea was bad, Mm. and I think Justin and I also have, in some sense, aesthetically very similar taste, but in other ways, very different. Uh, Sometimes we're on like a totally, like we're looking at the same thing from a totally different uh, place. I remember one time uh, we, when we were young, we were traveling together on the bus, we said, you know, we need to work with each other because if we do this alone, we'll destroy it. Mm. Um, you know, if I if I were to like try and have a musical career by myself, I would self just I would destroy it. Mm. I remember the conversation in the Greek restaurant where we just agreed, like, let's just do it together because at least if it's together, at least for the other one's sake, mm. it's worth continuing mm. the thing. Is there like a Twitter handler, tw- sorry, Twitter handle <laughs> or uh, Instagram handle that we should, that people should follow or a website? Yeah. Yeah. All of blastingcompany.com has all that. Stuff. Yeah. All nice. of it's pretty easy. It's all blasting company. So nice. Very cool. We got it. Uh, we got the name. <laughs> we got the anyone else did. Oh, before, okay. Before I was going to ask, cause sometimes, you know, there's those, uh, well, Dot com sitters or what are they called? Yeah, no, we were first. Uh, first Ninety nine cents. We're first to it. Ah, nice, <laughs> very nice. Actually, I forgot. I forgot to ask. Where does the what's the blasting company? What's what's that part? Because you you talk about the Petrovich part, but the what's the blasting company part? We uh, it's like I'm no. Gonna, I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> we used to, you know they're, they're like. We used to swim in quarries and stuff like that around around here, and yeah. uh, they're all made by 
about blasting companies. They're just like made people um, blast rock and they get slayed or they get coal. And there's a lot of, you know, a lot of that around here. And so, okay. Uh, you know, and then it just, it's also a bra- it was, it's a brass band. It's a brass band. Yeah. So it just kind of oh. fit. It was a little bit, a little bit of like home stuff and a little bit of like what the sound is. And, um, uh, we're usually the loudest band on. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, I could definitely, uh, compared yeah. To, compared yeah. to the solo violinist or something. Right. You show up with two trumpets and a trombone yeah. and a tuba and a drum. Yeah. A blasting company. Really loud. A, a, a little self-deprecation, a little bit of, a little bit of, uh, Representing Tennessee, <laughs> blast, <laughs> mountaintop removal, <laughs> all, the, all the awful things that we do. In- <laughs> well, Michelle, I had lots of fun talking with Justin and Josh of the Blasting Company. Yeah, I did too. I'm still surprised they allowed us to interview them. Yeah, like they said yes. And they're super cool and like super chill. Very down to earth people. Yeah. So definitely check out their music, follow them, and we look forward to more musical releases. Mm-hmm. So on next week's episode, we have an Emmy Award winning filmmaker on the show, Sarah Moshman. So that means next week we'll have two award winning filmmakers on the show. Oh, you talking about me? Yeah, I'm talking about you, girl. Ah, But no, Sarah Moshman is awesome. Excellent interview. So glad that she came on the show as well. You have to go watch her documentaries. And, uh, you know, we'll definitely have links in the show notes. We'll probably need to do a newsletter so people can watch them before because they're excellent. And just support. It's really good stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you have any projects you are working on, please let us know by posting on social media with the hashtag musty creative and we will share it and possibly you on the show that's right and we want to thank our monthly supporters for helping us make this episode of the musty creative podcast with your support we are able to create better shows for you interview more guests and buy better equipment you can support us at anchor.fm slash musty and click on the support button that's all we have time for today. Remember to leave us a review on iTunes and find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and anchor.fm slash musty. That's the that's that's it, folks. Now it's time to <laughs> You're like stuttering like porky pig. Now it's Now it's time to shower up. Give them a satisfaction they couldn't get any other way.